Amen. Let me give you a little test. How many of y'all remember what we spoke about, what pastor spoke about last Sunday? I'm putting pastor on the spot. Oh, wow. We have a savant. We have a savant in the crowd. No, I'm just... <laughs> he remembers. That's good. La semana pasada hablamos de avance, right? We talked about breakthrough. How many of you desire to see breakthrough? We've got to have breakthrough. We have to have breakthrough. Hemos que tener avance en nuestras vidas. We have to have breakthrough in our lives. Breakthrough is what God does. Breakthrough is what He desires. There's nothing, church, that I desire more than to see the people of God indulging in their inheritance and walking in victory. Did you hear me? There's nothing that I desire more than to see the people of God indulging in their inheritance and walking in victory. No hay nada que desea más que ver al pueblo de Dios complaciendo en su herencia. Ooh, that's good Spanish. Thank you. That's about the brunt of it. I loved to see when I loved to see the word come to fruition in somebody's life. I love to see that. And not just in somebody's life. I like to see it in my life. All right. How many of you want to see the word come to life in your life? You want to see it active. How many of you know the Bible says that the word of God is active? What does that mean? That means that the word, it doesn't, it's not stagnant. It's not just there. It's not just sitting still. The word is active. Too many of us are experiencing attack and defeat. Attack and defeat. Then we testify of the goodness of God, and yet the goodness of God is nowhere apparent in the life that we're living because of the attack and the defeat. The attack and the defeat. Demasiados de nosotros, muchos de nosotros, estamos experimentando ataque y derrota. Y ataque y derrota. Y después testificamos de la bondad de Dios, pero, pero en realidad la bondad de Dios no está en ninguna parte de, de nuestras vidas. Did I say that right? That's it for me. I'm done there. Too many of us are experiencing attack, defeat, attack, defeat, attack, defeat. And then we testify, oh, God is good, though. I, I have faith. Listen, and, the, and the church may, may understand that. But to an unbeliever, that isn't a testimony. Did you hear me? It's not, it's not a testimony. Especially when the Bible promises that we'll go from glory to glory. But yet the people of God, more often than not, are testifying of defeat after defeat, attack after de- attack after attack. When the Bible talks about going from glory to glory. How many of you want to experience going from glory to glory? That doesn't mean that we're never going to go in through the valley. We're going to go in through the valley, but we don't stay put in the valley. We don't stay stuck in the valley. The problem with many of us is we get stuck in that valley. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley. He's walking through it. He's not staying there. Some of us, we choose to stay there by our own volition. Some of us get stuck in the valley and we stay there because we get wounded and we were hurt and we stay there and we throw a pity party and we pitch a tent there. And before you know it, there's a whole city around us with people who are like-minded and we all bellyache together because we're so pitiful in the things that we believe. We're, we believe contrary to what the word says. And then we wonder, why, why can I never get out of this valley? Well, you've got to raise your level of expectancy. You've got to raise your level of what you expect God to do in your life. Some of us, we think we don't deserve any better than what we have. But God desires for breakthrough. Other believers, we, we understand, we, we may think, well, you know, I get that. You're going through a battle and I get that God is good. But what about an unbeliever? And we as believers have got to get to the place that God has ordained us to be in and that place is only found in Him. Amen? He is a strong tower. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. 
The Bible is clear in this, in the book of Ephesians, that God has designed weapons for you and I to use in order to be able to walk in victory. But what good are those weapons if they're never used? Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would open our ears this morning to hear the Spirit of God. You give us ears to hear. Father, we ask, Father, that we would be changed and you would transform us. Help us to grow in you. We thank you for all you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, church, I want to see all of us. I know I want to see me. I want to see all of us walking in victory. I want to see all of us walking in victory from the oldest to the youngest. I want to see all of us walking in victory when it comes to our health. Walking in victory when it comes to our finances, walking in victory when it comes to favor, walking in victory when it comes to fulfilling our destiny in our lives, walking in victory in our marriages, walking in victory in our families, walking in victory when it comes to our children, walking in victories in our ministries, walking in victory in every area. How many of you want to experience victory? The Bible says that we are more than what? Conquerors through Christ. We are not just called to be believers. We're called to be more than conquerors in Christ. The Bible says that we can do all things. The Bible says that, uh, that, that he, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. There are so many promises that promise, that show us, that it's evident, makes it evident and clear that victory is the order of the day. Victory is the order and is what the kingdom of God calls for. Are you walking in victory? We've got to walk in this, and we've got to learn how. Now, this is where I'm going at this morning. It's one thing to say we've got to walk in victory, but just how do we do it? Because it's easy to say, but how do we do it? And that's what I kind of want to break down this morning. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning on how to exactly walk in victory. How do we do that? I know that God has called me to walk victoriously, but exactly what does that look like? And how do I do this? Well, let's talk a little bit about that this morning. God is so good that, that he has even designed the walk that we are called to, to be victorious even in the midst of our, even in the midst of our battles. Did you hear me? God is so good that even in the midst of our battles, regardless of the storm around us, we can still walk in victory. How do I know that? Because I've even read stories of Jesus in the midst of a storm. And what is Jesus doing in the boat? He's peaceful. He's at rest. Why? What about the rest of the disciples? They're freaking out. Don't you care that we perish? And they're freaking out because they're looking at all of the circumstances, all of the natural elements around them, all of the earthly circumstances that are around them. They're looking at everything other than keeping their eyes focused on the one who controls the wind. Now, I'm not saying that we're never going to be attacked. How many of you know that we're going to be attacked? But what I'm saying is that when we are attacked, we know exactly what to do. And I wonder how many of us really know what it means to rest in God, to rest in God. How many of you have heard resting in God, just rest in the Lord? What is that? What exactly does that mean to rest in the Lord? I'm not talking about sleeping physically. I'm talking about resting in him, knowing that I don't have to worry about what's going on around me. I can rest in knowing that the promises of God are going to come to fruition in my life. Is there a way that I can come to the realization of what it means to strive, not, not to strive, but rather rest in the finished works of Calvary? How many of you, how many of you in this place this morning really understand that what happened at Calvary completed everything? What happened on the cross completed and attained everything for you and I. Jesus' last statement on the cross was what? It is what? Finished. finished. It is completed. It is finished. And if I'm still striving, then do I really believe, if I'm still laboring and trying to work some things up just to see the manifestation of this word, then do I really believe the words that Jesus said on the cross when he said, it is finished? When Jesus said, is, it is finished, that tells me that I don't have to labor to try to bring this thing into fruition in my life. When Jesus said, it is finished, I don't have to strive and try to work things up and stir things up in order to see this come to fruition in my life. When Jesus said, it is finished, then that meant it was done and I can stand on the promises of God and I know that regardless of my circumstances, I can have victory. It is finished. 
Now, there's a difference when I talk about striving and pushing forward. All right? I'm not talking, we're talking about you don't have to labor and strive for this word to come to fruition. That's not what I'm talking about. What I, I'm not talking about uh, 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 because there's two kinds of striving here. All right? When I'm talking about striving, yes, you do have to strive to press in, to push in, and to go after God. Okay? But when it comes to the promises, you don't have to strive for that. That's not the way God intended. And we're going to talk about that. All right? I'm not talking about just sitting back and doing nothing either. You know, I'm not saying that we just sit back and I'm just going to sit here and just wait on the promises of God to come to pass. Let me flip on the TV and let me just sit here and wait. And the promises of God will just come to pass in my life. Listen, without, without faith without works is what? Dead. There still has to be a striving. There still has to be some labor on our part not to where we have to stir things up. And this is what I want to talk about, and I want us to pay really close attention to what's being spoken here this morning. All right? Because if you fail to understand what I'm going to teach you this morning, and if you do not put this into practice, you're going to miss it. And you're going to possibly miss a breakthrough in your life. If you're going to walk in victory in every area of your life, then everyone needs to understand this this morning. If you're going to win this race, you're going to have to put this into practice this morning, what I'm going to talk about. If you're going to wreak havoc in hell, you have to put what I'm going to talk about today in practice. If you're going to see what you're believing God for in life, in your life, then you've got to put this into practice. When we rest Everybody say rest. rest. When we rest in the finished works of Jesus, that empowers us. What is resting? Resting is when we stop laboring in our works and come to the realization that we actually need God to work for us and work in us. The good news contained in the scriptures is what? The gospel of what? Grace. The gospel of grace. Now, I'm not talking about greasy grace. Anybody ever heard the term greasy grace? What is greasy grace? Greasy grace means that Jesus died on the cross and I can come to know him and I can just live my life any way that I want to live, even though I still call him Savior, even though I'm still saying that I love Jesus, but again, I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it, but I'm, and, but, but yet he's still Savior. That's not that's greasy grace. That's, that's saying because of grace, I have a license to sin. You don't have a license to sin because of grace. The Bible says that what then? Because of grace, you're going to continue to sin? Paul said that. He said, no, God forbid we don't sin because grace has provided all things and because grace has completed all things. You still have to live your life holy and righteous before God. You still got to live up to the word and you still got to live up. And listen, without holiness, no one will see God. The gospel is called the gospel of grace. To whom is grace made available? Everyone. Grace is available to everyone, and without grace, there is no rest. Did you hear me? Without grace, there is no rest. If I don't have grace, if I don't understand grace, then I'm going to try to labor in my salvation. If I don't understand grace, then I'm going to try to... i gotta, I got to work this up. Religion says you've got to do all of these things to measure up. Where grace says this is the unmerited favor of the Lord it's put upon you and grace says I don't have to do anything to earn this I just got to employ faith that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and I've got to confess and believe in my heart that he is Lord and that if I ask him to come into my life he'll come into my life but there's nothing I can do to earn it there's nothing I can do to earn a place in heaven it's already been done for me that's grace and if I don't understand rest, if I don't understand grace, then I'm never going to understand rest. Did you catch that? If I don't understand that, wait a minute, I don't have to work. When I first got saved, I, I was raised Catholic. And when I first got saved, I said a prayer. Any, most people are familiar with the term sinner's prayer, even though there's no such thing in the scriptures. But it was the prayer that, that I was confessing my sins to come into my life to forgive me of my sins. Anybody ever done that? Yeah. All right? We've done that. And, and as a Catholic, though, you're used to this. As, and who was raised Catholic in here? So as a Catholic, you, you go to confession, and then when you go to confession, the priest prescribes different prayers for you to go pray in order to do penance 
in order to earn the forgiveness of God. All right? You say so many Our Fathers. You say so many Hail Marys. Ten Our Fathers. Six Hail Marys. You repeat them over and over, and after that, you're good. Anybody ever done that as a Catholic? I was used to that. So when I got saved and I accepted the Lord and I prayed and I asked the Lord to come into my life, I remember praying. Man, it was such a sloppy. And after I prayed, I asked the person that was leading me in that prayer, now what do I got to do? I remember that so vividly. Now what do I have to do? It, 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 I couldn't figure this out. I'm like, what do you mean that's it? Are you telling me that all this time, <laughs> all I had to do was repent of my sins and confess my sins to him and ask him to come into my life. Why didn't anybody ever tell me this before? So I understood at that time that I don't have to work. There's nothing I can do. If I could say 10 Hail Marys and 10 Our Fathers, then what sense would it make for Jesus to have died on the cross? If all I had to do was say a few prayers, he wouldn't have had to have gotten on the cross to have died. I understand now, walking 20, 20, going on 28 years walking with the Lord, I understand so clearly now, my salvation had nothing to do with anything that I did. My salvation has nothing to do, how much God loves me has nothing to do with how much I do or don't do. I rest in the fact just knowing, and, and if I sin, he doesn't love me any less. And if I come to church faithfully, he doesn't love me anymore. I, I can rest knowing there's nothing that I have to do to earn that. An orphan spirit has to earn that, has to compete for that, and try to strive for that. And there's nothing I have to do to earn that. I just know that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that even when we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. I know that the scripture says that herein is love, not that we love God, but first that God loved us. All right? There's nothing that I had to do. So I rest in that. I understand grace, and because I understand grace, I can rest. Now, let me ask you this. That's salvation. What about healing? What about provision? And then see, let me tell you this. As a believer, I've had to learn this. All right? I understood now salvation. There's nothing I had to do for that. When it comes to healing, what do I have to do to, to get healed? What do I have to do? Do you understand where I'm coming from? Do you understand this? There's nothing. And so because of grace, you can rest. There is a rest for us. This rest is found in the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not a day. All right? Does everybody understand that? The Sabbath is not a day. The Sabbath is a person. All right? I think I missed my place here. I will find it. You cannot earn His grace through your own works. You only need to accept it by faith. And this trust then brings us into rest. Did you catch that? It brings us into rest. Jesus, help me. We need God to guide us. We need God and His grace on our Christian walk. Our trust in Him brings us rest. We need God and we need God to guide us. You have to have this revelation in your life that we need God and I and we I need God and I need God to guide me. You need to have that revelation in your life. All right. I've been walking with the Lord for 28 years and some of you may have been walking with the Lord a little more, maybe some of you a little less. But you, nevertheless, no matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, you've got to have that revelation in your spirit, man, that I need God and I need God to guide me. I need him. I need him to guide me in all of my affairs. I need him to guide me in everything that I do. When it comes to making decisions, I need God and I need him to guide me. I need him. That's just, that's how it is. I need him. I need God and I need for him to guide me. The Bible says this in the book of James chapter 4 verse 14. We do not know what will happen tomorrow. Life is a vapor that vanishes after a little while. We should say if the Lord will, we will live and do this or that. It's not up to you. It's not up to me to say where you and I will be in the future or what will happen. But it is up to us to say that regardless of all that, we need God and we need God to guide us. We do. 
We need him to guide us. Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 23 says the way of a man is not in himself. All right. That's very clear. The way of a man is not in himself. In other words, what, what is Jeremiah saying? Man doesn't know what's happening. It's not in us to know. You may think tomorrow you're going to work and you may not even get there. So it's not in us. This is why we say, I need God and I need him to guide me. Because within us, we may assume that we know what, what's going on. We may assume that we have all things together in our lives. But at the end of the day, oh Lord, I know, I know, Jeremiah said, I know that the way of man is not in himself. Man doesn't have a clue. Psalms chapter 37 verse 23 says that the, that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. If I am going to walk righteously and if I'm going to have my steps orchestrated by the Holy Spirit, I better walk as a righteous man and I better fix my eyes on the author and the finisher of my faith. If I want to finish this walk, if I want to finish this race, I have got to keep my eyes fixated on the author and the finisher of my faith because I know that if I trust in him... He will orchestrate my footsteps. We need God to direct our steps with, not with good ideas, but with God ideas. It's not in me to know my way. It's not in you to know your way. Some of us have gotten into so many messes because we thought we knew our way. We thought we knew better. Come on. How many of us have gotten into messes and we, man, I had to fix some things. Got to do some damage control now. I got to fix this. Because we've been led astray with our own ideas, our own thoughts, our own feelings. And then we listen to everybody else instead of seeking guidance from God and asking the Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us and show us, give us direction of where he wants us to go. And once we realize that we need God and we need him to guide us, when we realize that, we become extremely dependent upon him. God, how many know God loves to be dependent on? He wants to be depended on. He wants to be trusted. So when you go through a, a crazy, I learned a crazy word. I love the word kerfuffle. Anybody ever heard that word? I, just, I love that word. I heard that word a couple of weeks ago. That's a, find ourselves in a kerfuffle, in an issue, in a problem, in a, in a situation that, how did I get in this? Many times God allows us to do that. He doesn't freak God out whenever we choose to do so. I'm going to go my own way. God will say, go ahead. It doesn't freak God out at all. All I know is that God sits back and says, when you're finishing, when you find yourself in that kerfuffle. Once we realize this, we become, we become extremely dependent on him. And listen, church, you cannot produce the God kind of results in your finances, in your health, in your life. In your family, you cannot produce God kinds of results unless God is working in you and you are confidently depending on him rather than being self-dependent. Too many of us are self-dependent when we need to be God-dependent. This is a part of growing in your faith. This is a part of maturing in your faith. Listen, you got we got to grow up. You've got to grow up. You've been fed the word. We've been fed the word Sunday after Sunday. We've been fed the word. Some of you have grown up in church, but yet we don't act grown. It's, it's, we've got to grow up. God desires maturity. He desires development. He desires that. To depend on God, you know what that means? That means you're maturing and you're growing. You're humbling yourself as a man. You're humbling yourself as a woman and seeking to know his will and desiring to live out that will. How many of you want to live out the will of God? The will of God. La voluntad de Dios in our lives. La voluntad. The will of God in our lives. I want to live out his will. Jesus was walking and he saw the disciples. And what was the very first thing he told? Ultimately, it's going to lead to a hill called Calvary. But follow me. And you're going to experience some great breakthrough in all of this journey when you decide to follow me ultimately it's going to lead to the cross and you may not fully understand everything that's going on but follow me follow
Follow me and you'll see the dead raised. Follow me and you'll see the, the sick healed. Follow me and you'll see the blind receive their sight again. Follow me and you'll see deaf ears open. Follow me and you'll see people delivered. Follow me and you'll see people with mental illnesses that are brought to me come back and, to be, and be in their right mind once again. Follow me and you'll find a coin in a fish's mouth. Follow me and you'll see 5,000 people fed and provided for in abundance. And there'll even be some left over. Follow me and you'll see the storm will stop. Follow me and you'll walk on water. Follow me. But ultimately it's going to lead to the cross. Follow. When you're growing, when you get to that point, when you receive a negative report and you're growing in God and you're learning to depend on Him, when you receive a negative report, you know what happens when you mature? Your default is, I depend on God. When the doctor gives you a negative report, I depend on God. When the bills come in and you know what your budget looks like and the bills are piling up, ultimately, God, I depend on you. Come on. When your family seems to be coming apart at the seams, I depend on God. God loves to be depended on. To depend on yourself is like a mouse. You know, you're a mouse and all of a sudden you go through this, you know, you do what David Vander did in The Incredible Hulk. You go into that lab and you... You, 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 you insert all of these chemicals inside you and, and all of a sudden you morph when you depend on yourself you morph from a mouse to a rat <laughs> nothing's changed where you were a mouse now you're just a rat it's, 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 and, and in your head you may think man I'm, I'm not a mouse anymore but in reality nothing is different when you depend on yourself, that's what you're doing. And you think, oh, I can do this. And in reality, nothing has changed. You're depending on your own strength, on your own finite thinking, your limited thinking. You're depending on yourself and you think, I can do this. Does this make sense? You're never going to see the God kind of results unless God is working in you or in your situation. All right? God kinds of results. Let me give you another, another quick example, all right? I wanted to see the God kinds of results in my finances. And for years, I would watch people on television like Kenneth Copeland and Kenneth Hagin and Creflo Dollar and, and, and all these faith preachers on television. And I used to hear them talk about the abundance of God and the provisions of God. And I would listen to that and I would think, man, I, that, I believe it. I believe it. But yet, I never saw it. Anybody ever been there? I never saw it. I, and I would give, but I really wasn't tithing. But I would give, but I really wasn't tithing. I would give. Come on. But I really wasn't tithing. So I, I wanted the results, but I wasn't willing to go through the prescribed methods. I wanted the results. And if I, I saw the Aaron kind of results, not the God kind of results. And the Aaron kind of results went from paycheck to paycheck, went from struggling. I'm telling you, I've gone through some times where, man, I don't know how, I'm gonna, how we're going to do it. I don't know. I don't know how if we're going to be able to stay in this house. I don't know if we're going to be able to keep this vehicle. I don't know. I've been there. All right? Because I was trying it on my own terms. And when I realized I've got to depend on God, ultimately when I realized I'm not tithing because I really don't trust. I really don't trust him to take care of me. It wasn't until I came to the level of God, I'm going to, if I lose everything, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do it right. And the minute, the day that I decided that I'm going to do it right, I've never turned back and I've seen the God kind of results ever since. Church, I am telling you the 100% God's honest truth that when you will employ God's methods, when you will employ the way God wants you to do things, you will then see good God kind of results. You've got to trust Him. You've got to depend on Him. If God is working for you and working through you, then it's going to be the God kind of results every single time. But people who are confident in themselves, you know what's going to happen? They're only going to be able to last for so long. I'm going to tell you, even for a while there, I wasn't tithing, and for a while there, I was doing okay. It didn't, it didn't last. The well dried up. I'm telling the truth. I'm telling the truth. I'm telling the truth. On yourself, it only lasts so long. All right? You've got to depend on God. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. If you do not learn to rest, how many know that God, 
when you don't learn to rest, then God will not work. But it's when we rest that God works. And you know why that is? Because when you're laboring, God isn't going to work. God isn't going to compete with you. He's just not going to compete with you. He'll sit back and say, all right, well, you do all the work. Let's see how it works out for you. If you want God to work for you, then you're going to have to learn how to rest. What that means is you can't be working while God is working. He we refuses to compete with you. I guarantee you, you compete with God. Guess who's going to win? Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says, For it is God, for it is God that works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Church, I need God. And that's, that's something that you're just going to have to learn to admit and declare every single day. I don't care if you've been walking with the Lord for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. But, and even if you have been walking with the Lord, then you probably know if you've been walking with the Lord for any length of time like that, you can attest to the fact you need God. So when you leave here this morning, if you remember anything that Pastor Aaron said, You need to remember, I need to depend on God. Stop pursuing the complex, the the, the difficult in exchange for the simple. When God, but listen, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10 through 12. Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 12 says this. When God brings you into the land that he promised you and gives you great cities that you did not build. I'm, I'm paraphrasing from that version. When he gives you great cities that you did not build. When he gives you houses full of good things that you did not fill. When he gives you wells that you did not dig. When he gives you vineyards that you did not plant. Be careful not to forget God. From those verses, what is the one thing that he's instructed you not to do? Not to forget him. He says, In the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verse 13, a few books over, he says, I gave you land. In Deuteronomy, he says, when you get land that you didn't do anything for. But in Joshua, go to Joshua, chapter 24, verse 13. Now it's past tense. I gave you land for which you did not work. I gave you cities to live in that you didn't build. And I gave you vineyards to eat that you did not build. Both times, what is God doing? God is revealing that he has provided something without the help of any man or any woman. What God is saying here is I did all that without your help. Now let me ask you something. If God saved you and cleaned you up, no matter how bad of a rascal you were, why do you think that he still needs your help? Got this idea that I'm just going to help God. You got what you got and your labor, your striving, your efforts had nothing to do with what you have. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and you had nothing to do with it. And yet today we have the people of faith, you and I, that are always laboring to try to get something. And God is basically saying, I don't need for there to be any striving. If there is any labor that should come from you and me, it should be just laboring to rest. Resting doesn't mean inactivity. It's not about resting from work, but resting in work. Did you catch that? Resting doesn't mean inactivity. What the scripture talks about in resting, it doesn't say resting from work. It's resting in. I'm going to rest in this thing. Our labor is not responsible for what we receive. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 through 3 says this. It says... This, I'm going to read a different version, but I love that how it says it here in the King James. Let us therefore fear. In one version it says, we have to be cautious, aware, and diligent. That's what it says. It doesn't say, hey, be scared. No, that's not what it's saying is, all right? There's no fear in God other than fear of reverence and respect, okay, and awe. But he's saying, be diligent, be watchful, be careful, is what he's saying. Be cautious, What are we being cautious for? What is the writer of Hebrews saying? Be careful for. Not to fall short of any promise given to you by entering into his what? Rest. The gospel was preached. Look at verse, keep going to verse 2 and 3. The gospel was preached. For unto us the gospel was preached as well as unto them. 
But the word that was preached, listen to that, the word that was preached, it didn't work for them. I don't know why I can't get this healing. I don't know why this provision is not working. I don't know why I'm always going and struggling from paycheck to paycheck and this, all these things are happening to me. I don't know why things are going crazy in my home. I don't know why all this is happening to me. But the word preached did not profit them anything. Why? Because it wasn't mixed with faith. It wasn't mixed with faith. The gospel, what he's saying is, for unto us was the, this gospel of what? Gospel of what? Grace. This gospel of grace, this gospel that says you don't have to work for anything. It's already been done for you. This gospel of grace was preached, but it didn't do anything for them because it wasn't mixed with faith. All right. So, church, I want you to understand something. Faith, grace. If you're going to walk in victory, you got to understand this. Grace and faith work hand in hand. Grace and faith. All right. You have grace, which already provided healing for me. You have grace already provided salvation for me. You have grace already provided an abundance for me. It pro- grace says your inheritance is available to you. Isn't trying to stir it up. I gotta get this healing. Gotta get this healing. That's not what faith is. It's listen. If grace hasn't already attained it, faith can't do it. What grace is saying, all this has been given to you. Faith then acquires it. And listen, it doesn't take a baby to be born overnight. Some of you have been waiting for breakthrough for some time already. Amen? Amen. Some of you have been waiting for a financial breakthrough. Some of you have been waiting for a breakthrough in your family, a breakthrough in healing, a breakthrough in in your job, in your destiny, and all these things. You're waiting for a breakthrough, and nothing seems to be happening. Well, let me tell you something. When you get pregnant and you find out four weeks, six weeks later I'm pregnant, the baby isn't due the next day. The baby ain't due the next month or two. It takes nine months. For that baby to be birthed. And let me tell you something. If you are going to understand this, you're saying, I just don't see it happening. Sometimes it takes a while for that thing to come to birth. For you to birth that thing. All right? We're going to go somewhere with this, okay? Because we talked about grace. We talk about faith. Grace provides it. Faith attains it. We're going to go somewhere with this. Are we getting anywhere? All right, listen. Um, I'm going to skip, okay? I'm going to go somewhere with this. We've got to be cautious. We've got to be careful. Look, 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 look. Here we go. Go back to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. This gospel, this gospel of grace was preached to us as well as to others. But those who did not hear it in faith, all right, this grace, grace, the, the gospel that was preached, this gospel of grace, this gospel that says everything's been provided for you, this everything's been provided for you, but it didn't work. Why? Because it wasn't mixed with faith, all right? When you got saved, grace saved you, but faith says, I believe it, and I can now attain it. I can now attain it, all right? The gospel declares that healing's already been done too. Grace provided healing, but there was no profit because they didn't know how to apprehend it. Abundance is yours, but there was no profit. That gospel was preached. Abundance is yours because of grace, but it, what, nothing happened. Because it wasn't mixed with faith. And all you see is struggle, struggle, struggle. Why? Because they didn't mix it with faith. Victory has been provided for you because this gospel of grace says you can have victory. But yet I don't see victory in my life. Why? Because it wasn't mixed with faith. I didn't know how to attain this thing. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. The world was made into existence by what? The Word. God spoke the Word. But then John says, not only was the Word spoken, the Word is He is who He is. He is the Word. The gospel of grace is the good news. But he is grace. He is the good news. Again, in John chapter 1 and verse 14, and the word became what? Flesh. And dwelt among us. This word was spoken. This word was grace. I hope I'm helping you. Grace, church, is not a subject matter. It's not a curriculum. Grace is a person. It's Jesus. All right? Why is it that some people can enter into worship easier than others? You know why? Because they've learned to rest. Rest and work. You know, when you, when you stop laboring and you just learn to rest, 
What else is there left to do but just worship? Just begin to thank God. I'm resting in this thing. I don't have to worry. And and the devil may try to stress me out, but I'm going to rest in this and I'm going to focus on you, Lord Jesus. You're the author. You're the finisher. You know the end from the beginning. You're going to work all things out for my good. I know that all things work together in my favor. I know I'm more than a conqueror. There's nothing that I have to do, so I'm going to rest in this thing. I'm resting. No labor, just worship. Hallelujah. This is why some of us can't rest, all right? This is why some of us can't rest. Dwight, come on up here. Stand over here. Come on up here. I'm going to keep you from sleeping. I'm going to keep you standing here, all right? Come here. Come here. Come on up here. All right? This is, this is where we're at in our faith. Dwight's a big guy. And I know that if he saw me lean backwards, he would catch me. Maybe, maybe. Right. I, I have faith that you will. I have faith. I have faith that he'll catch me. And it doesn't matter what I do. I can just go back. But if I don't, if I don't trust he, I got faith over here. I trust. I trust. I trust in my salvation. And I, I'm safe. When it comes to heat, when it comes to provision. You hear, Brother Aaron, you got to tithe. You got to let go of what's in your hand. I'm laboring in this thing. I'm laboring in this thing. You you understand what I'm saying? And so guess what? I never learned to depend on him. And I never, that's not resting. Resting is, that's not resting. I'm going to wear out. If that's all I ever do, I'm going to wear myself out. So when it comes to healing, when it comes to tithing and provision, if all I'm doing is, next thing you know, you used to see me, you don't see me anymore. Where'd Brother Aaron go? He used to be a believer. He used to be, he wore out. Uh Rest. Thank you. Rest. You got to learn to rest. Rest. All right. Do you get that? Do you understand that? What it means to rest. I'm confident that I'll get caught. It's the same way. Listen, uh, let me go here. For years, I struggled with accepting the fact that God wanted to prosper me. I shared that just a few seconds ago. I knew that God wanted to prosper me. And and, and at the same time, I knew God would heal. All right? And I remember praying for people. I mean, I I lay hands on people. I remember seeing people get healed with cancer. I just lay hands on them. And I pray and I believe it was so easy to do because I knew God will heal. I've seen him do it. He'll do it again. But when it came to finances, I didn't understand that. I didn't trust him so much. I didn't have the confidence, right? When Brother Pete was standing here, he probably would have caught me. I hope he would have caught me. <laughs> but you got to have confidence. I had confidence that Dwight would catch me. Confidence. What does it say in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35? Because we talked about grace. We talked about faith. But then... Don't cast away, therefore, your what? Confidence. Confidence, Which has a great payoff, is what that's saying. It it has great dividends. It pays out. All right? If I'm confident and I can just lean back, just I trust him, it's going to pay off for me. If I'm confident that God will provide when I release what's in my hand, I know I'm confident he's going to provide. Does that make sense? Don't cast away your confidence. You have grace. You have faith. You have confidence. Your confidence has a compensation. It will pay you. The writer of Hebrews, he exhorts you and I to be watchful that we don't, don't, the reason we don't see it come to fruition and we miscarry this birth is because we, we lose our confidence. And we say, I give up. And then it's miscarried. Or better yet, we abort it. Because when you miscarry, a lot of times that has nothing to do with anything that you do. But when you abort something, you will, you willingly go and abort that. And many of us, we say, forget it, I ain't doing it. I'm, I'm, forget it, I'm not going to write this check. Forget it, I'm not going to do that. Then you're aborting it. You're saying, no, I don't trust it. I don't trust it. 
We're called to be confident that God will provide for us. Called to be confident that God will heal us. Called to be confident that God's going to bring a breakthrough. Called to be confident that He's going to heal our marriage. Called to be confident that He's going to save our children and our children's children. Called to be confident that there will be promotion. Called to be confident that there will be favor. Called to be confident that doors are going to open for us. Called to be confident that that rivers are going to be made in the desert. Called to be confident that that pathways are going to be made in the wilderness. And even though I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand this I'm going to know I cannot lean on my own understanding now you got grace faith I'm confident but what happens when we're not confident when we throw we, we cast away our confidence because we don't have patience see all these are related look at Hebrews we read Hebrews 1035 right look at verse 36 for you have need of patience look, look at the verse before that again don't cast away your confidence all right which has a great payoff of your reward. It's going to pay out. Now look at the next verse. For you have need of patience. Why do you need to be patient? Because the baby ain't due yet. Do you understand? It's not due yet. It's, going to, it's still birthing. It's still developing. It's still So you got to be patient. And when you're patient, you're saying, I know I'm confident. I'm confident that this is going to come to pass. I'm confident that God's going to provide. I'm confident that He will heal me. I am, and patience has nothing to do with. We say, well, don't pray for patience because God will give you more trust. That has no. That's not even biblical. Okay. If 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 if, if patience had anything to do with trials, we'd be the most patient people on the face of the earth. Okay. Has nothing to do with that. Patience here is saying. The way you see this come to fruition is you stay patient. Your patience then gives you the confidence that your faith will attain what grace has already provided. It all is related. Does that make any sense to all of us in here? Or did I just confuse some of you? I think I'm going to stop. We're still early, so that's good. I, I just I, What I want us to see, church, is I want us, I want us to understand that don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. You can't throw in the towel. If you're waiting for breakthroughs. No, listen, listen, listen. You gotta understand something. Black this out here. You gotta understand something. A picture of Peter walking on the water, and do you get what that what that, what that is telling you? Peter is saying, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come to you on, on the water. And what did Jesus tell Peter? He said, Come. And he, he and Peter, he put one foot off the boat, put the other foot on the boat, and as long as he kept his eyes, he kept walking. As long as he stayed focused, he kept walking. His faith kept walking. Faith is not meant to stay stagnant. Faith is moving. Faith is active. Faith doesn't just stand there. Okay, I'm standing on the water, Lord. That, that's not what he did. He got on the water and he walked. Faith kept moving. Faith kept moving. He kept his eyes. Faith kept moving. Faith kept moving. And guess what? All of a sudden, he he stopped. What the heck is going on here? You understand? His faith stopped. Faith was meant to stay working. But he, he took his eye. It was when he took his eyes off of Jesus and put his eyes on his the earthly elements, the natural elements, the circumstances, the distractions that the enemy is saying, but look at this. But look at this. But look at this. Look at these symptoms. Look what the doctor said. Look at look at how you feel. Look at what your back is telling you. Look at what your hands are telling you. Look at what the, the blood pressure monitor is telling you. Look at this. Look at this. Look at your bank account. Look at these bills. Look at look at look at your children. Look at your marriage. Look at all these things. But listen, faith, you're gonna you're gonna fall and sink in if you don't keep faith moving. Faith keeps moving. You understand? Faith keeps moving. You can't give up. You have confidence. I gotta, I've got to focus. I've got to stay moving. All right? He fell, and then we're so critical of him. Uh, and let me tell you what Jesus told him. In other places in the Bible, Jesus always said he marveled at their lack of faith. No faith. Why is it you have no faith? He told Peter, oh, ye of what? Little faith. So what he was saying is, not that he had a small faith, because how many know that took great faith to get up? If that was little faith to get on the water, then what, what in the world do I have? 
All right? That's not what he was saying. What he was saying is, why was your faith so short-lived? Did you get that? Why was your faith so short-lived? I'm believing for breakthrough. I'm going to keep giving. Then you don't see any results for a little while. Well, let me hold on. Why was your faith so short-lived? Does that make sense? You've got to keep your faith moving. Keep it moving. And, and do you know what the Bible says whenever Peter sank in the water? The Bible says, Lord, help me. Peter said, Lord, help me. And immediately, doesn't say a few minutes later, it says immediately Jesus pulled him on the water. And guess what? Jesus didn't pick Peter up and say, come on. He didn't pick him up and carry him. Here, get on my shoulders. He didn't. It says they walked on the water together. You, do you understand what that is a picture of? The first picture is Peter laboring, trying to get this thing done. But it's also a picture of grace where Jesus picks him up and they both walk on it together. It's faith to do that. And confidence, knowing that now I'm confident in the one who pulled me out and is now walking with me. Does that make sense? How many of you are going to employ faith? Understand that grace has already provided everything for you. Listen, if you're believing in healing, your healing isn't going to be provided for you today, tomorrow. Your healing was provided for you a thousand years ago on the cross. When was provision provided for you? A thousand years ago on the cross. When was your victory given to you? You're sitting there waiting for breakthrough. Your victory's been given to you. It was given to you over 2,000 years ago on the cross when Jesus bled and died naked on, on a cross. So now that's been given to you. Now your faith then just has to attain it. I, I was going to bring a football with me today, but I couldn't find my football. And I was going to have Dwight come in here, up here again. And I was going to throw a football at him. And, and let me tell you, he wouldn't be able to catch that football until he was in position we were talking about the Super Bowl a few minutes ago. Tom Brady, the quarterback for the uh, Patriots, for the New England Patriots, when he did that one play, where even though he's the quarterback, but yet he is a receiver, they threw the ball at him, but he wasn't in the position to get the ball. Faith in that position to receive. Amen. All right? Amen. Did you catch that, church? How many of you are ready to receive? Amen. Ready to receive a breakthrough. Yeah. Ready to receive yeah. healing ready to receive provision, ready to receive what God has in store for you, what he's had in store for you. How many of you want to indulge and experience your inheritance? Let's stand together. Hallelujah. I hope this was not convoluted.